I'm George Faust. I'm Karaski Melvin. And this is Inside Cajun Nation. KLFY and the University of Louisiana at Lafayette present Inside Cajun Nation. And let's jump right into it with football. Hosting Texas State in their SBC conference opener. Cajuns painting it black on Saturday. First offensive possession for Louisiana down seven. Zeon Chris to Draylon Washington. That'll tie things up. 20 to seven, Texas State in the second. Chris with fine Peter LeBlanc, who knows what to do with it. Cajuns down 20-14 at halftime. Fourth quarter, Cajuns trailing 30-28. Texas State on the punt. Dalen Cambry with the block of Seamus O'Kelly. Patrick Mensa recovers. He takes it to the Bobcat 22. Then the Cajuns take advantage of it. Four plays later, Chris scampers and slashes through to give the Cajuns their first lead in the game. Then next drive for Texas State. T.J. Finley would end up connecting with Ashton Hawkins. However, Casey Osai would knock the ball loose, and Tyree Skipper recovers. It's the last time the Bobcats had the ball on offense. Cajuns win 34-30. News to Sports' Jonathan Pulock has more from Cajun Field. Louisiana's matchup with Texas State will go down as a war of attrition. Texas State, led by T.J. Finley, would produce 530 yards of total offense and won the time of possession battle. But even when the game looked out of reach, the Cajuns kept their head down and made sure to make their possessions count when it mattered most. We had a team meeting like the players only me, and I told them that in the Bible it says, a just man falleth seven times, but he get right back up. So we're not defined about you know, what the scoreboard looking like. We're not defined by how many times we you know, mess up on the play. It's how you get back up and you attack the adversity, attack the challenge. Coach Dad's preached that a lot. You know, when his challenge is giving it to you, he said embrace the challenge. So we you know, took on the challenge. All three phases of the game came together in the second half, culminating with the play of the game. Dalen Cambry blocking a Bobcats punt to set up the Cajuns offense for the game-winning touchdown. Cambry's family was in attendance, including his brother, who is a serving member of the National Guard. Being able to help secure a win in the Louisiana Salutes game made for one of the most surreal moments in his football career. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love when this time comes of the year just to do the Louisiana Salutes and thank everybody because it's not just him that I do it for, it's everybody. I have the utmost respect for those in the military. Every play out there is just, I take gratitude into it and I appreciate every play, appreciate everyone for coming. It's just everyone being out there and just having fun. That's, that's what I do. I just go out there and have fun and I'd have to say that play would be number one. Coach Dez and his players are fired up to pick up such a pivotal win heading into the bye week. I'm telling you, people don't understand this. This group works so hard. Like it is day in and day out. I mean, I could count on one hand the practices we had that were not tire standard and it's pretty high it's huge it's a huge huge momentum for us especially some guys that are banged up gets a heel up in the bye week and come back ready and play uh east east division game so it's a it's a huge win and it gets a good team covering the cajuns jonathan bulat klfy news 10 sports on the pitch now cajun soccer has had a couple of home games that didn't end the way they wanted they headed back to the road to face georgia southern Head coach Chris McBride and why the team appears to do better away from their home grounds. Our backs are against it. So when you go on the road, the home team's favored. And right before kickoff even starts, we're being challenged. And we rise to that challenge. I think one of the things we've seen in the last two games against ULM and against James Madison is we're at home. Potentially we should be the favorites. We should have home field advantage. And I think maybe just the inexperience of the group 
has allowed us not to have some adversity and wake ourselves up. Everyone's got a plan until you get hit in the face. Once you get hit in the face, the plan changes a little bit. So I think that being on the road, it's right, right even before it starts, right even before practice today, before the game, it's against you because you're the away team and I think our response to that has been great and I would even say that even in some moments that we've had this year once we've went down um, a goal or we've given up some chances that's when we kind of settle into the game Cajuns went to Georgia Southern Thursday 62nd minute with Louisiana down 1-0 Brianna Henry shakes off a defender finds the back of the net her second score of the season 78th minute Isabel Kopp since one screaming past McKenna Garcia for her second goal of the season, Eagles up to one. Then one minute later, Bree Conley would put in Georgia Southern's third goal, Conley's third goal of the year. Eagles are going to win 3-1. Sunday was the pink game for the home standing Cajuns taking on Southern Miss. Off a corner first half, the ball goes off a Golden Eagle goalie. Haley Waterhouse takes advantage her first goal of the season. 1-1 in the 31st minute, Alyssa Abbott. We end up getting her first goal of the year later on. Cajuns would win 2-2-1 with that goal. Now, on to volleyball. Cajuns got back on the right track with sweep at Arkansas State. Next up is a team, Texas State, who may feel that the Cajuns are winnable uh, opponents. A sentiment Cajun head coach Christy Gray obviously disagrees. I mean, we talk about it with every single team that we play. It's we were picked fifth in the West this year, and we talk about it for us. Like that's personal. It's we we think that we are better than that. Um, and if we continue the route that we've been on this past week, where we are low error and we are outworking teams, like there's no reason we can't go finish in the top. Um, and so it's we we do take it personal. And we told them yesterday that I mean it sh it shouldn't be like that. They shouldn't expect that just because we are Louisiana that they, they should win. So uh, we did let them know that we are going to have to come in and work hard and go compete with them. Texas State Series started Thursday. First set, Cajuns down two. Kara Barnes, Maya Wilson would combine on the block. Then later on, and go to the second set, tied at eight. Celeste Darling would deliver the point emphatically. Set three, Sienna DeCambra would have an overhand kill. Cajuns would win set three. However, Bobcats would win the match in four. Now, could the Cajuns bounce back in match two? Tied at one, set all. Third set, Abby Cunningham's kill off a block. Texas State would win that set, however. Cajuns in set two, they would take that one. Shia Richardson helping the Louisiana cause. Match would go to five. Kemi Hicks ends it for the Cajuns. Louisiana bounces back and wins in five sets. Well, we've got a special treat coming up on Inside Cajun Nation. After the break, we'll tell you what led up to a local female fighter signing a UFC contract. This portion of Cajun Nation is brought to you by Lafayette Coca-Cola Bottling. Cajun Nation continues with a story from Cajun Country. The Ultimate Fighting Championship, also known as UFC, is what many people recognize as the highest level of mixed martial arts. Nuisance Dawson D'Amico tells us how one local MMA fighter, Carly Judice, recently became the next fighter from the UFC to represent Lafayette. Dustin Poirier, Daniel Cormier, and AJ Fletcher are all notable names from Lafayette. When you think of the UFC, now you can add Carly Judis to the mix as she recently became the first female fighter out of Lafayette to make it to the big leagues. 
I love to scrap. I love stuff. I love when stuff gets bloody. I love when stuff gets gritty and you have to dig deep. Like, I think at, so, in some of my fights, whenever my opponents hit me, I smile. Judy's began her amateur fighting career in February 2021 after just a year of training. After four fights, she moved to pro in 2022. Three fights later, in all first round finishes, Judy's got the opportunity for a short notice fight on Dana White's contender series for the chance at a UFC contract. Judy says she did not believe it when she got the call. I just, I was like, are you, is this a prank call? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Her opponent was Ernesta Caracate from Lithuania. The three round bout was highly anticipated as both fighters were undefeated at the time. The fight was a barn burner as it was down to the judges' scorecards. Judy's did come up short, though, with a split decision loss, but still managed to impress Dana White and got the contract she hoped for. I didn't even have words. I kind of just started crying. You know, everybody else was jumping up, screaming. It's just kind of almost like I didn't believe it at first. I was like, what? You know? Being the first female fighter out of Lafayette to make it to the UFC, Judy's is glad to be a role model for others just like her. Oh encouraging females like letting them know that they can still do whatever they want even if they don't have other females to train with if they're not seeing you know a lot of females around here being successful that as long as you put in the work no matter who you have around you you know you're gonna you can do whatever you want judy says her debut fight will probably be in early 2024 she says she is ready to show the world exactly what she is capable of in lafayette dawson d'amico klfy news 10 sports after the break, Dr. Brian Magger talks Cajun athletics. This is Inside Cajun Nation. Welcome into Cajun Nation. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for staying up with us. Join us. We're honored to have our special guest this week. It's Dr. Brian Maggard, the head of the University of Louisiana Athletics and the athletics director. And uh, Dr. Maggard, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you and uh, always look forward to chatting with you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me. Let, let's talk about this. Uh, the fall season's kind of kicked off. Mm -hmm. uh, everything was so successful a year ago. Uh, the expectations always continue to rise. You guys have done a phenomenal job of, of kind of uh, setting the bar at a high level. Uh, talk about the, the excitement for, for fall and, and what's coming up. Yeah, I think, first of all, we've gotten off to a great start, you know, between football, volleyball, and women's soccer. Um, you know, I had a volleyball team who beat number 18, Rice, uh, swept them in Houston. We had our soccer team get off to the best start in program history, and certainly football um, is off to the great start. So. I think it's just, you know, the fall sports time is around us and you can feel a vibe in the air no matter where you're at, I think. And certainly we saw a great turnout last week at our first home football game. And I think people are just excited to get out and about and uh, take in some college athletics. Ready for a little cooler temperatures. Great move by okay. going 730 to, uh, <laughs> to beat the heat, so yeah. to speak, uh, against Northwestern State. Yeah, that, I think that helped. Yeah. Um, you know, we just was most concerned about that direct sun on our fan base and as it turned out you know we had that lightning delay at 7 p.m. Mm. so it was really nice to not have started at 6:30, had to have stopped and then go on so really at the end of the day it only cost us about 15 minutes um, but no I think it all worked out very well we had a great crowd and appreciate the fan support one of the, the you know kind of the staples of your job is to kind of continually look ahead and, and see what, what's good for the for the university athletically and 
you know, putting the schedule together and things of that nature. And I've told Coach Des this. I think this year's schedule really bodes well. I might have to told you that as yeah. well. But I, I like the way this schedule sets up. I think there's a lot of opportunity for success when we're talking about football. Right. I don't think there's any question about that. I think the non-conference schedule is tough enough to really test us. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have to play well to win these games. We know that. And, uh, but you've got a premier brand in Buffalo coming to Lafayette, Louisiana, and then we go to Minnesota. And that's a game that we think we can be competitive in, as if not go out there and win. And that's, mm -hmm. that's going to be our, our uh, aspiration to do that. So I think to your point, uh, it is set up nicely, but we are going to have to execute. We're going to have to play well. But I think the talent is there. We've got a good team. They're still young, but they're very athletic and they're very hardworking. Uh, look, I, I know uh, it's year two for Coach Dez. Are, are you impressed with, with the way he handles himself? I, I really kind of am. I, I, I've known him as a high school coach. I, co I covered him in high school football yeah. when he played at Catholic High. I, I, I am kind of impressed with his character and the way he handles himself. Yeah, there's no doubt. Mike Desimo is a man of high character and high integrity. And his coaching leadership has impressed me really even more than what I thought it would be. Uh, I had very high expectations for him. Obviously, I do. He has for himself. But uh, his coaching leadership last year in particular showed me a lot about him as a man. Uh, and uh, I look forward to the future with Mike Desimo. He's going to do some great things. Since we're talking football, I, I, I want to ask you about this because there's, a, there's all kinds of change going on in college football right now. When you look at the landscape of, of what's happening in college football mm -hmm. with regards to the Pac-2 now, like, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it, it's just kind of really who knows what's happening. How do you maneuver through that? And, and what is the, what's the plan for the Cajuns uh, kind of moving forward and, and yeah. the Sun Belt in general? Well, I think, you know, the Pac-12 change caught everybody off guard, yeah. and it happened so fast, right? It was like almost overnight right. that you had a Power Five conference decimate. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Sun Belt Conference uh, is well positioned. You know, we feel very good about where we are as both a university and a conference within the Sun Belt, and, um, you know, I think we're just happy to be where we're at. We're, um, we feel like we've got a great competitive conference that is very regionally uh, designed. And we look forward to finding ways to continue to dominate this conference and make sure that we are positioned to have great success in all of our sport programs. And, and when you look at it, I mean, the Sun Belt really has been a, a, it's not a power five, but it is a conference that has steadily grown over the years. And, and, and in this turmoil really has kind of been a steady ship. I think so. You know, yeah. we have absolutely over the past five years, let's say, I think the yeah. Sun Belt has really elevated you know, it's um, perception and, and really who it and we are as a conference. And I think most of that's been driven by the sport of football. We know that. And uh, we just want to make sure that as a conference, 14 institutions coming together, that one, you know, we stay together, but two, that we continue to invest in our athletic programs to continue to elevate our prowess. Good stuff. That's uh, Dr. Brian Maggard. He's going to stick around. He's going to join us uh, for another uh, segment as we roll on here on Inside Cajun Nation. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in 90 seconds on Inside Cajun Nation. Welcome back to Inside Cajun Nation. George Faust here, Dr. Brian Maggard, the University of Louisiana Athletics Director, joining us uh, for a little conversation and had a chance to talk a little football. Um, some of the, I, I'm, I'm really impressed too with the volleyball program, the way, the way they started the season. You, you kind of alluded to it earlier, 
But uh, then they go to Texas Tech and, and, mm -hmm. and play well there as well. Right. You know, Coach Gray, you know, is in year three of this program, and she's really finally starting, I think, get her system in place. Um, she's worked very hard, you know, on the recruiting trail, her and her staff. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. Uh, but it does take time, and we know that. Uh, but to your point, they seem to be a much more competitive team, both on defense and offense. Mm -hmm. I remember her telling us that, you know, going into the season, she felt very good about the defensive side of of their team, but their offense has really performed well as well. And going into a place like Rice and sweeping, you know, the number 18 team in America, you know, is no small feat. That's the first time we've done that in 10 years. Yeah, that's impressive, no doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about some basketball because uh, of quite successful a year ago, and just recently, Coach Mo Bob Moreland got an extension, mm -hmm. and, and uh, just talk about that decision and what, what went into that. Obviously. Uh, he he uh, he earned that <laughs> right. You know, there's no doubt. I mean, anytime we win a conference championship, you know, we we want to reward that success. Mm -hmm. And over a course of time, you know, Bob has really proven himself. He's a fine basketball coach and a, and a great man. And um, you know, it's just a situation where we felt very good and comfortable. You know, with his coaching leadership as well. He runs a very clean program. You know, he's averaging. You know, I think it's a, a conference championship every four years right now. And the thing about basketball in the Sun Belt is there's not a lot of parity. I mean, there's teams are even across that board, and yeah. you know we continue to find ways to give ourselves the the upper edge, if you will. But um, very proud of what Coach has accomplished during his time here, and we look forward to continue to support him and his staff and that program to find ways to win more championships. And I think I, I, Gary Broadhead's done a done a. a, a, a uh, and, and a yeoman's a yeoman's yes. effort job, if you will, uh, in in creating a program that's established success and kind mm -hmm. of trying to keep that success yeah. as well. Yeah, that's another program. You know, Coach Broadhead, in my opinion, is a staple. You know, in this yeah. in this uh, community in this culture, sure. right? He's a he's a Cajun through and through, and, right, right. and you know, I believe he's a winningest coach in women's basketball program history for yeah. us right now, and. Um, he continues to, to work very hard day in and day out to find ways to elevate that program as well. And so, I, again, I look forward to, you know, watching his success. Um, that's a team. I really encourage our community to come out and support them. Um, they're a team that plays extremely hard, very gritty on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's hired uh, some new coaches over the past couple of years to elevate that offensive play a little bit even more. And uh, I look forward to his, uh, his run in the Sun Belt this year. I think we, we're going to make some noise. Yeah, I, I always enjoy uh, talking to him, and did not realize that he was a he was a farmer before he yeah, was that's a coach. Right. And no, no doubt. So I did yeah. a story with him last year about that. So very impressed with that. And uh, and I've been here a while. I, I, when he told me yeah. that, I was like, what? He's got he he and his family have a lot of history in this yeah, area. Right. For sure. Correct. Correct. Um, when you when you look at the landscape of of the Cajuns, I mean, you've done a phenomenal job as as kind of elevating the expectation level. Um, where do you see this program kind of moving forward in, in, yeah. in what, I guess, uh, everybody says five years, but yeah. in, the, in the near future? Yeah, let's take the next five to seven years. Yeah. I, I think that's a decent time frame in this industry to, to allow ourselves to have the time to, to move the needle, so to speak. I think first and foremost, you're going to see an elevation in our facilities, right? And uh, although we have some fantastic ones in, in place already with Russo Park and Lampson Park and and the Student Athlete Performance Center, yeah. the Cajun Dome, you know, we're in really good shape. But obviously we know that uh, Cajun Field, really Lord Stadium, Our Lady of Lord Stadium, uh, our tennis complex, um, you know, and, and the baseball clubhouse, right? We have a baseball clubhouse that we really need to cap off the, the Russo Park design, sure. if you will. 
Um, I think you're going to see a, a concerted effort on all three of those fronts to make sure that we uh, get those facilities where they need to be. And then we just want to continue to elevate our profile uh, in the space of winning. We need to win, you know, and continue to win. We've done a good job of that, I think, but we can do better. We want to do better. And when you talk about elevating and, and moving that needle, so to speak, we don't know exactly where it's going to land right now with all of this landscape change that you mentioned sure, yeah. uh, in college football, right. per se. But, you know, my hope is that if the college football playoff system allows more teams to hit that playoff, being positioned in the Sun Belt Conference, a, a prime football conference, if we can find ways to win that year in and year out, or at least consistently, right, I think we have a chance to make one of those 12 playoff spots. You know, if it stays at 12, yeah, right? Sure. Even if it goes down to eight, I think we might have an opportunity depending on how they allocate those spots. But um, so I think, you know, continuing to elevate our profile at the national level, something we want to do. We want to finish, you know, these facility upgrades that we have. George, I think once we do that, you know, we're just going to continue to continue to rise you know, in the space of college athletics. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the to kind of the renovation and the, and yeah. the upgrade of, uh, of Cajun Field yeah. as well. Now, I think a lot of fans, that, that's kind of there on the top of their it mind. Is. And it should so, be. It should yeah, be because yeah. it's been talked about for a long time. Right, and, right. and look, there's nobody more impatient than me. But, um, <laughs> okay. you know, good to know. Everything, everything <laughs> happens yeah. when it's supposed to happen. And um, I'm very excited that, you know, if and when we roll this, this out. I think our community is going to be very excited about it, but I think it's going to be something they're going to be very proud of yeah. because of that I think that uh, that stadium is going to be a staple, not only in our community, but in Acadiana and for Acadiana. And uh, when we get there, I'm looking forward to uh, being able to share, you know, with, with everybody, not just locally, but nationally, because when you do roll things like that out nationally, again, that continues to put the spotlight on you. It continues to elevate your profile. And that's what we want to keep doing. And you, th there's a way to do that. I mean, obviously, you have the RCAF, and, mm -hmm. and people can can continually to uh, be a part of that. And where do they need to go to do stuff like you that? You know, if you just go to RagingCajuns.com, yeah. you know, you look up top, click on RCAF. We've made it very simple. We've really done an overhaul on our website. You know, that's an easy access point. Certainly, you know, with mobile phones these days, right. you can do the same thing. But look, you know, we've always talked about this whenever we're together. You know, the, a, a key to our success, right, is engagement. You know, we need this community to engage with us. We need to engage with our community. We know that. And so the two easiest ways to do that is to attend our events. So it's either buying season tickets or single game tickets and supporting us through the RCAF. For as little as $50 a year, you can be an RCAF member. And um, that's like $4.17 a month on a recurring credit card charge. Yeah. And we'll take that. Um, but I think that's how we get people engaged. And uh, that, that, those types of investments multiplied by thousands, that's a difference maker. Yeah, and, um, but we want to do that. But at the same time, we know we have to engage back. We want to make sure that whether it's our student athletes giving back to the community and our coaches and staff, you know, for three years running now, we've led the Sunbelt Conference in student athlete community service hours. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a testament to our student athletes and our coaches getting out and volunteering their time in this community. And so we know that's a way for us to engage. At the same time, we want to make sure that we provide a great customer experience. That's something that we, you know, we pay attention to every single event. And after an event, we quality control it to make sure, you know, we're correcting the things that we may not have gotten right. Right. 
Dr. Magna, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, always a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, thank you guys for staying up with us and, and uh, being a part of Inside Cajun Nation. We'll see you next time right here on Inside Cajun Nation.